special edition of Sunday Goals, a Florida State baseball podcast. Ario Masuti and Brett Nevitt from Tomahawk Nation joining you here as we get you set for the 2021 season. We wanted to have this episode where uh, we talk about a, a couple of things that are going through not just the sports world, uh, college basketball, college football. Obviously, the pandemic is making things a little bit tough. And so Brett and I were talking with each other this week and just kind of going through what do these possibilities look like? And we've had some phone calls, you know, over the last couple of weeks talking to different people to get their perspective. And we felt like a podcast was necessary to fill you in on some of the things that are going on. And I think for college baseball, just like college basketball and college football and really the the whole world and how it operates, things are really fluid right now. College baseball, we really don't know how many games we're going to play. There's a lot of different schedule possibilities, Brett. Uh, I know the Mountain West and the Big Ten have already said that they want to do conference only, but we had Kendall Rogers, uh, a national baseball analyst from D1 Baseball, come out today and say that the ACC is planning on playing 50 games. How do you foresee 2021 looking in terms of college baseball and schedules? Yeah, I don't think that um, anything is set in stone, even with the 50 games um, breaking today, you know, it, a lot of it's going to depend on what other conferences do. A lot of it's, gonna, it's just going to depend on what happens in season. I mean, we've, we've already seen things going on in basketball, so I just I, everything's going to have to be fluid. I think conferences are going to have to work together. Teams are going to have to work together to get it all done. And hopefully, at some point, the NCAA comes out and you know puts out a guideline or something to help these teams out. Because I think baseball, there's there's almost there's more moving parts than probably any other. Um, sport in in college right now and no doubt about that and moving parts is the name of 2020 and as we move into 2021 while we hope things get better maybe a vaccine is available by then to be you know I think the athletes at least will have a chance to get the vaccine before the season starts the administration and, and some different people but we're looking at a weird 2021 college baseball season and I think that is something that we just need to all understand is that maybe Florida State does play only an ACC schedule. If they're able to get some non-conference teams into Tallahassee or for Florida State to travel, Brett, we're looking at like testing methods and being able to have unified testing where we're meeting standards, right, that everyone's setting to be able to have these games. And I know there's been some some confusion, maybe, maybe some concern about what about some of these smaller conferences? Because you know Florida State plays a lot of these smaller conferences, especially in the state of Florida. You really need them to be able to play to have your non-conference. Yeah, so for example, a conference like the Atlantic Sun where you have Jacksonville, um, I want to say Stetson's in there too. FGCU. FGCU. The yeah. teams, teams that FSU plays a lot, just those midweek games or even some weekends early on. So, I mean, if they can get – you just – it's a good thing that they start at 50 and they want to play 50 because, um, you know, that means the ACC is really trying their hardest. But the, t- the schools that FSC is going to play midweek are going to have to come from close. So, you know, those, those, those conferences, you got to hope that they also play non-conference for FSU to really get close to that 50 number or their normal number of 56. So, and then, you know, you have possibility of playing SEC schools on, on weekends if they play if they play non-conference just because of their, their um, proximity to FSU. So it could be, it could be a different, it's going to be a different year no matter what, but it could end up being um, an exciting proposal if, if, if the other big conferences come through with non-conference games as well. Yeah. I think I look at some of these programs and non-conference in baseball in a normal year, right? It usually is teams that are drivable. I mean, that's just nor in a normal year, you're going to be on a bus going in your midweek games. So 
you really need the American, the AAC, to have UCF and USF available to play baseball. You probably need, like Brett mentioned, JU and FGCU. If you could get FIU, FAU, some of these other schools in the state to be available, that would be pretty huge. UNF is another one. Um, Mercer in, in Georgia. You want some of these South Georgia teams, the Mercers, the Georgia Southerns, um, and so on and so forth that need to be available. So I, I really am interested to see how it all goes. I, I hope that maybe Florida State can figure some things out. But as you mentioned, there might be some fun matchups if maybe the the ACC and SEC decide to, to play some games. Maybe Florida State Auburn, Florida State Georgia. Yeah, I mean, just getting to see any of those on a weekend for three straight days, you, you'd really get to see what Florida State is, what they are compared to other big-name schools early on rather than playing, you know, you know just a, a cupcake, I guess. But, you know, just like FSU played Texas Tech last year, I mean, they lost both games, but they were right there in both games. And you saw that, you know, if they played defense well enough, then they were going to win games against really good teams. Um, I just I don't know if 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 midweek games even make sense, because I don't know if teams are going to want to travel for only one day and take the risk. I just don't know if that makes sense. I think what would make sense is teams coming up for two games rather than just one. But, you know, even what, what they put out today, it would only be eight midweek games total. So. You could just see a couple midweek series between these Florida teams, and then on the weekends maybe get a big get, get some big matchups down in Tallahassee for uh, you know a, lit- a limited crowd to come see. Let's talk about some of the financial implications because teams need games to make money. Um, baseball is not a revenue sport for a lot of programs. For Florida State, we're very fortunate, right? Because we have the support. We sell tickets. We sell out season tickets when they're available in the grandstands. Um, not a lot of schools can afford to just send people left and right, you know? And I think that's a real problem and a real concern for administrations everywhere. Can can a, a JU afford to do anything other than a bus ride quickly to Tallahassee? Are there schools – I don't think we're going to see any teams from the Northeast. Um, that You know, we've usually played a Hofstra or a High Point or a, a Stony Brook or some teams that have always Niagara. come to – Niagara. Like these teams from the Northeast and, and North Car- – I know High Point's in North Carolina – Big shooter Chip Baker's gonna be like, come on, son. That's that's his alma mater. <laughs> this is not a geography podcast. No, it's not. <laughs> the thing is that like we can, I think, regionalize and comfortably project that Florida State will play a very regional schedule, at least from a non-conference standpoint. I would love to see Florida come in for three games, or for FSU to go to Gainesville for three games. I think that's that's a huge uh, a huge possibility. I'm not gonna predict it, but I think it's a possibility. And of course, you know, we got to get some teams that can afford to come to Tallahassee. So I think from a financial perspective, that is a question for the administrations who will try and figure out when can we travel, who can we travel, how many can we travel. We had a chance to sit down with um, a really special guest. We love to do interviews on Sunday Golds. And, and Brett sat down with Florida State assistant coach Mike Metcalf. Enjoy. First off, I guess, how, how is fall ball and what was something that you learned about this team that maybe you didn't know going into it? Uh, it was an exciting, exciting time to just get back on the field with the guys, first and foremost. I mean, with such a long break and um, uncertainty of what was going on when we got back on campus with the classes being mostly online um, and the procedures that were changing uh, daily, we, we were excited to just get the opportunity to get on the field with them, be around them and, and, and really start getting better as a club and, and bonding as a team and, and seeing where we're at this year, um, I felt like, um, you know, guys came back. You could tell they did put the work in when they were in quarantine and when they were at home. And 
came back more physical, more athletic, uh, with that, with that drive and hunger to, to be back on the field. You know, um, you, you always think you got the right guys in, on campus that have that hunger to, to play and to compete and to win. And, and when you have something taken away, like they did last year at the end of the spring, not only the guys that are returning, but the new guys, um, to see them come out here and get after it right away with that hunger and, and, a, and an even, even deeper sense of urgency to get better each day. That was exciting. I think you guys knew you were bringing a good class of arms as freshmen, but I guess just how exciting are they? And I guess, did they even overwhelm your first thoughts of them? Um, you know, this was our second fall together as a staff. Uh, my second fall back on the field. Um, I learned real quick last year uh, with the guys that I had seen in the past as a scout um, expect the unexpected, sit back and let it come to you as, as, as a coach and more importantly, an evaluator. So I wouldn't say I was overly surprised because I came in expecting the unexpected. Um, I think the most impressive part of our, our freshman group, not only pitchers, but position players is the way they get after it on a daily basis, uh, doing the extra things, not just pitching or hitting or taking ground balls, but in the weight room, you know, I get to see them in the morning when I walk through there and it's a focus, it's a different focus. Um, than probably you would expect from the young kids, but the weight room, the conditioning, uh, Coach Burleson got after it with them and they, they accepted every challenge. And then when they step on the field, it's not just, you know, the two innings in, a, in an inner squad, but what they're doing extra, their, uh, their side work and everything else was very impressive. I think obviously it's always a difficult transition for high school kids to being freshman college, but I guess how much even more difficult was it this year when they didn't really have a high school season and they, they're kind of just thrown right into the fire. And I guess how much, how much more can they, will they show in spring versus they did in the fall? Yeah. You know, so usually our newcomers, uh, our high school newcomers will come in for summer session C um, and, and get acclimated to the classroom first and foremost, but also to the weight room uh, with coach Burleson. And uh, they didn't have that opportunity. They were given the programs or email programs that they all got after it and tried to try to accomplish on a daily basis. But it's a different it's a different grind. It's a different work when you're in there with your teammates, with a coach that's with you every day and the expectations we have here on site at Florida State. So um, the academic side of it, you know, the, these guys all finished up high school or junior college online. Um, they took summer classes online for the most part. Um, so that side of it, they got acclimated to with the change in how they go about the classroom procedures while it's online. Um, but the weight room, you know, I think that was that that took a little bit longer for them to adjust to. Um, you could tell they, you know, they never stopped. They never stopped putting the, the, the effort in. Um, but I think it took their bodies a little bit longer just to get used to the morning workouts, the midday classes, the practice at the end of the day. Um, and, you know, practices, you know, no matter where you end up, practices the next year are always going to be more different than what they were the year before. So just that different grind and wear and tear um, at our practices compared to not having a practice probably since the beginning of March last year. Mm -hmm. When you guys, I guess you guys basically had somewhat of two transition classes that you didn't really get to put a full mark on and a full cycle of scouting and recruiting. It's having that COVID year, was it a positive to be able to combine those freshman classes and just kind of make it one big group? Yeah, I mean, look, anytime you can have um, upperclassmen leadership uh, to help kind of bring those new guys along and, and teach them the ropes and, and the expectations and how to go about the daily business and the daily routines is, is fabulous. Um, it's unfortunate the way things went down, but 
you know, our motto is here. It's, Hey, don't worry about yesterday. Let's, let's get better for tomorrow. And, and, and we can't look back and feel sorry for ourselves and, and for these upperclassmen and feel bad for them. It already happened. We went through it. We adjusted as a program. They adjusted as individuals. And now they're here and they did a great job, our upperclassmen and our veterans of being leaders and, and taking the bull by the horns and, and leading these guys through this grind of a fall season. I mean, you know, especially this year without being able to play any outside competition every day, it, you're, you're playing yourselves, you're inner squatting, you're practicing. It's, it's the same faces. It's the same uniforms. It's the same arms. It's the same hitters. And you try to mix it up, but it's a, it, it gets very monotonous. And, and our, our upperclassmen did a good job of teaching these young guys how to grind through the six week fall season at Florida state. Obviously scouting was a lot different this summer and this fall, and you've probably spent more time at home than ever before. I guess just what's been the biggest difference between scouting through the video versus in person? You don't get the, you you get a feel for um, the successes, right? So every video that I've gotten is a double and I don't blame the kids for sending that to me. And it's a strike guy striking a guy out with big velocity, um, a swing and miss breaking ball, you know, and, and, and I understand where we're at in this process and on December 1st, 2020, that that's, that's what we're getting, but you don't get the, you don't get the secondary evaluations, which I think are the most important. Um, we talk to these guys a lot. I mean, I was fortunate. I was part of that run in San Francisco. And I would venture to say that, you know, man for man, it may not have been the most talented teams in the major league in major league baseball those years, but, but their makeup on the field, their makeup in the class in the uh, clubhouse, um, how they went about their business, how they handled failure, just as much as how they handled success is a major part of the recruiting process for us here. And uh, so you lose out on that. Uh, it's important to use your connections, the people you know, the people you trust that are out there still seeing games um, and, and, and really dig deep into every hole you can and, and find out those things, those secondary um, tools, the, the unspoken tools, per se, of how they handle those different situations. And you got to have a good network that you trust. You got to have patience. Um, you got to be willing to make calls to people and you know, hear them out. And those people have to be willing to, to, to tell you the truth. Um, and we've, we feel like our network is, is strong. Um, it's always growing. Um, we're always learning more about our network of people we can lean on. And, um, you know, it's, it's the process today, you know, and April 15th is now the date and we're looking forward to getting back out on the road. I know my wife and kids are probably looking forward to me being able to get back out on the road. Um, they're tired of me always sitting out on the back porch and grilling. They probably want mom to cook a little bit more. So, but, uh, we're excited about April 15th coming along, not only because of the season, but also being able to get out there and and see those secondary tools. How important is that, that dead period getting lifted just for you to keep getting out and seeing the younger kids that you guys want to go out and recruit and get ahead of that system? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the most important thing in regards to, um, the flow of of players coming in here, because again, um, you know, with, with all the technology this day and age, you know, we can, we can get all the metrics and we can read the metrics and, um, but do the metrics play, um, does the makeup work? Does the, the, uh, mentality on the field and in the dugout work for what we're trying to do. And, um, so it's important. It's, it's very important because, you know, again, I, I'm not worried about if a guy strikes out, I'm worried about the next ground ball that goes to him after a strikeout and how he reacts or how he reacts in the dugout or, when his, when his teammates have success, how they're reacting and when their teammates are failing, how they react. And, you know, all those little things that add up again, 
you know, I, I call them secondary tools, but they're just the unspoken tools is what they are. Nobody talks about them. Everybody talks about the five tools that, you know, in this day and age, we get a lot of video that we can, we can see what kind of five tools they have. Um, but you can't see those unspoken tools. You guys signed the number six recruiting class for the 2021 year, um, like last week or a couple weeks ago, I guess just in general, what's, what's the thing you're most excited about for that class? Athleticism. Really excited about the athleticism in that group and not just by the position players, but from top to bottom, from arm to the middle of the infield, to catchers, the outfielders, to corner guys, they have athleticism. Um, but more importantly, you know, the more we got to know them, um, Coach Bellinger and I, the, the guys that were already committed, uh, you realize they had a they they had a they had a little dog in them. They had they had a little they had toughness to them. Um, you know, it wasn't just about um, I hit a home run. It was about getting after it and winning games. I mean, we've got a guy that just won a state championship in, in Alabama for as a high school football quarterback. Um, you know, you can't you you can't uh, you can't learn that type of competitive competitiveness unless you're out there doing it. Um, you know, we've got guys that play shortstop that can play multiple positions. We've got a switch hitter or two. We've got guys that have played basketball. We've got multiple sport athletes. It's just, it's exciting because they're athletic. They know how to play the game, but most importantly, they love to compete. You, know, you just talked a little bit about those multiple sport athletes. What is the positive that those guys bring to the table just from playing multiple sports? Uh, it's a different type of athleticism that they're building in their body. Um, it, it also a different type of competitiveness. I mean, look, um, if you're playing basketball, you're getting beaten around. If you're trying to get a rebound, if you're playing football, we all know how physical that sport is. Um, you know, soccer, whatever sports they may be, you're, it's a different type of athleticism that you're building in your body, but also a different type of competitiveness, um, which is important. And, and I think uh, I learned this this year with with my little man. Um, you play another sport, it makes you really appreciate the game of baseball even more if that's the sport you decide to turn to. Um, it, it gets you a little bit more excited in the morning. You know, you're not you're not doing the same thing every day. You know, it's, it's good. I, I watched my little man play some football this year for the first time. And he looked at me when the season was over and he said, is it weird that I love baseball more now than ever? And it was a great point. You know, sometimes you can learn from those young pups um, because it, it, it gets you excited. I mean, we've got we've got two guys that have won state championships in football. Trayton Rank won one last year uh, up at Buford and Mays White just won one this year in Alabama. So he, he, that's that's exciting for us. That's exciting for us. Transitioning, transitioning to being a coach last year, I guess, what was the thing that was most exciting for you just to get, get to be able to do that you did, weren't able to do as a scout? Educate, teach. Um, you know, I got my degree in, in, in special education. Um, I was a teacher for eight years. Um, I enjoyed every part of educating and teaching, not just the, you know, math, science, reading, whatever it may be, but also just teaching young men how to grow into adults um, daily life lessons um, and obviously out on the field teaching you know teaching the game uh, but also being able to have that daily uh, communication with them and that camaraderie and, and the ability to you know hey I'm 43 years old I've done some good things I've done a lot of bad things up and down of my you know everybody goes through it right not not bad as in you know, rules or laws, but just you've been through ups, you've been through downs. This is how you handle it, man. You know, you got to tomorrow morning, you got to put your feet on the ground and go. Um, you're going to have a rough day and punch out three times. But you know what? You're going to go into the office one day and whatever you're doing in the office, you're going to have a 
a, a below average day. Well, get on the feet, get your feet on the ground and go get it tomorrow. So uh, that's been great is just being able to get back to the teaching mode and, and the, um, and the ability to, to kind of lead these guys way beyond sports in baseball. Yeah. You've been working with catchers mostly, I guess. And most of that time has been with Nelly over the last two years. And he's, he talked a little bit about your relationship when he was on the pod. Um, I guess just what's the thing that you enjoy most about working with Nelly? I think there's an honesty. I think that, um, you know, it's an open, honest line of communication. Um, and, and when he's good, you know, everybody can, everybody can enjoy hearing that they did well. Um, but with Nelly, when, when we're, when we're doing some things not so well, he's, he's open to the honesty and he's ready to improve on it. Um, so I think that's been great. I think that, you know, our ability to communicate, um, you know, not so, not, not just in the moment, but, but what happens down the road and why it's important to do certain things for down the road. Um, he did an unbelievable job in the quarantine, getting his body the way he's gotten it. Um, he's really dedicated himself, um, not just to, to the strength and conditioning, but also the diet and keeping track of, you know, the sleep habits and stuff like that. Um, you know, <clears throat> when I scouted Nelly, he always, he knew what he was trying to do and he had an idea of what he wanted to do physically. And um, now he's in a position where his body's able to do that as well. Um, so, but, but I think the most important thing is our ability to, to be honest with each other and, and, uh, him be open to, to, to positive criticism. That weight drop, I guess, has the biggest thing just been for him being lighter on his feet behind the plate or, you know, meat also talked about how it's somewhat opened his, opened up his power potential at the plate as well. Yeah. I mean, it just, you know, it's, it's, it's a weight drop, it's a strength gain, but it's also a flexibility increase right and so you put those three things together now all of a sudden your body's able to to make movements that you've always tried to make but maybe you really just couldn't make those movements because of where your body was so yeah i mean look if if, if you lose weight and you become more flexible and you get stronger in certain areas you're going to be able to have more range behind the plate you're going to be able to get out of the, the squat quicker you're going to be able to get true carry to the baseball you're going to be able to hit the baseball out to different parts of the field that maybe you weren't able to because you're you're flexible enough to to do so um, strength is very important, very important, but the flexibility aspect of it is as well. Bass Jimenez was one of the first guys that you recruited to that class after you were hired. I guess, I mean, he oozes potential. I guess, how excited are you for his future and what he could do um, in in future in coming years? Yeah, really excited about Baz. Um, you know, he's he's had some injury things going on. Uh, the fortunate thing for him is is again, we talked earlier about that, that upperclassman leadership and, and, and Nelly really took him under his wing and um, he's going to, he's having the ability, he has the ability to learn from Nelly, um, watch Nelly, listen and, 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 and kind of try to try to be educated on what's right, what's wrong, how to do certain things, how to take care of your body, how to go through the daily process of being a catcher at, at a power five school at Florida state. Um, we're excited about his tool set. We're excited about the the upside, the ceiling on him. And uh, once he gets through some of these injuries and stuff like that, that the Knicks and stuff, uh, we're excited to see where he lands. You also brought in Colton Vincent behind the plate in a class of four Juco guys. Uh, just like the grittiness he brings and the utility, how important is that? Yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're really pleased with the progression for sure on Colton. He, uh, he did a great job of, uh, of kind of coming in and, and, and adjusting again to that pace of practice to, to the not playing other teams, you know, those Juco guys play 30 games against other clubs in the fall. That's a little bit different than what we're doing here uh, because of the NCAA rules. So, you know, that becomes, that becomes an adjustment. Uh, he did a good job 
making that adjustment, grinding out at bats towards the end of the fall, um, making adjustments behind the plate. You know, he, he was fortunate to handle some arms at Central Florida. They do a good job there. And, and so when he came in here, the, the velocity and the breaking balls and stuff he was, he was used to is just a change of program, the change of system, uh, the verbiage, stuff like that. So he did a good job adjusting to that, and we're excited about his progress. You also worked with Doug last year as a catcher, I guess. At, one po- at what point did you realize that he has what he has on the mound and that it would be a permanent move there? Uh, that he, you know, Coach Martin actually saw it first when, when he was in high school. And he, Coach Martin, you know, there's there's an old saying, you're not going to win if you're not at the game when you're recruiting or scouting. Coach Martin has always been that way on the recruiting trail and saw him throw, I think it was the last inning of a nine inning or set, whatever it was, and saw a big arm and, uh, you know, swing and miss fastball. And so when we got here and Coach Bellinger and I got on site and, you know, the first thing when we were talking about the new guys that he said was, hey, you know, he, he does some things behind the plate, but we're not going to shy away from him being on the mound. So I guess for me, the first time I saw it was the first bullpen he threw because uh, it was pretty evident when he was playing catch at 75 percent in his bullpen that it was a little different. Um, and then he started spinning some breaking balls and you're like, whoa, what? Uh, that, that That's exciting. So, yeah, I mean, he, you saw it come out of his arm. I mean, it's a true arm behind the plate. Um, you know, how's it going to play when you, when you go 60 feet, six inches down a slope? Uh, it was pretty evident when it started coming out of his hand in the first ball thing. You know, Vince Smith was another guy that committed to you guys after you and Belly were hired. I mean, how, what, how excited were you about his fall and his, his performance throughout it? And what do you think he can bring even in his freshman year? I thought he did, I did a good job of handling the peaks and valleys of their first fall on campus, especially during an epidemic. Um, he did a good job because, you know, again, he's one of those young guys that was getting adjusted not to not just the speed of the game, but also the speed of the weight room. Um, so he did a good job of handling the peaks and, and the valleys. And I felt like the, uh, the the last two weeks, you could see he was finally feeling his body and f- feeling normal again. Um, and I thought he did a nice job of taking to the uh, instruction that, that, that he was receiving from Coach Martin, both on the clay and at the plate. And um, I thought he started to really show glimpses of the ability to, to to, to be a contributor in some shape or form for us to help us win. And that's, that's the bottom line is finding guys to help us win. I think you knew a good amount about this program and Florida state as a whole, just being around the state of Florida as a scout, but what was one thing that you learned about FSU that was the most surprising to you or just something that you didn't even realize before coming here? Um, I would say the, the support staff that you don't see or hear about for the baseball program. I mean, we've got a support staff around here that that's 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 unbelievable. Um, they, they, they handle everything with class and professionalism and they're really good at their jobs. And so when I would sit in the bleachers and, you know, watch a game and evaluate players, you, you know, you're watching 11 who's a Hall of Famer and you're watching the different pitching coaches, Coach Bell that came through. You're watching Coach Shoot back in the day. You're watching Coach Martin Jr. obviously meet. And you're like, yeah, those guys do a great job. But you don't realize the the importance of the support staff and, and our trainer and, and Stoney and, and coach Burleson, what a great job they do um, getting those guys prepared every day to go out there and, and physically uh, handle the wear and tear of college baseball. Um, you know, you got a big shooter up here. You got, you got Nikki and Courtney in the office that help us that, that, that are do a tremendous amount of work for us. And so, I mean, it even goes to Kathy Badger, our academic um, liaison. I mean, it's just the amount of, of work that those people put in, 
to allow us as coaches to have the highest quality student athlete, not just athlete on the field for us is very important. You guys have commits from Puerto Rico, Canada, and you guys had someone coming in from Utah this year. What have you learned about the FSU brand through recruiting and how far does it reach out? Yeah, the brand, the brand reaches obviously through two countries and a territory to this point. Um, but even farther beyond that, you know, we've, we've got, we've got guys that have competed in, in, for different countries um, uh, at, a, at a younger, younger ages. So the brand is big. The brand is real. Um, you know, it's our job to keep that brand uh, going and keep it rolling. You know, that's our job as, as a staff to keep that brand relevant. Um, and I think the way you keep that brand relevant is you do things the right way. You recruit the right type of players um, and you recruit it the right way. And then you go out and win games, right? Like at the end of the day, our job is to win games. Um, and so the brand's real. The, uh, the brand is live. Um, our job is to keep it rolling, but we're really excited about the ability to keep it going. Obviously, the baseball talent in Florida is immense, but how important is it still to get out and do your homework in other places? Yeah, we, 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 love, we love baseball players no matter where they come from. We love guys that are going to help us win. We're fortunate because we're in the state of Florida, uh, but we're also fortunate because we border to Georgia and Alabama, right? And you've got you know, the panhandle um, with, with down in Mobile and, and different areas like that, that, that when people graduate from here, they, they, they don't just stay in Tallahassee. We know that they go, they stay in Florida, but they go other places. So it's important to um, stay in contact with what's going on across the country. Um, you know, we've had, in, we've had success in the past of getting kids from California. I mean, we have people that leave Florida and go to California. We have people that, you know, like you said, Utah. So we want really good people that are really good players. Um, we want people that are players that are going to do it right in the classroom and the community and on the baseball field. And obviously being in the state of Florida, we, we, we need, we need to dominate those guys, but we also know, you know, from our history and our backgrounds that they come from all over the place. Besides scouting and your grilling that you've done in quarantine, I guess, what's an unknown talent of Mike Metcalf that the fans should know about? An unknown talent. I've become very good at picking up leaves. I came from Sarasota where I, where I had to, I had to worry about palm fronds. Now of last, last year and this year, these leaves, they're, they're wearing me out. So I've, I've got a system now where I can take care of those leaves pretty darn good. All right. Well, we're glad to have you around picking up leaves at Dick Hauser Stadium. <laughs> yeah, Thanks for absolutely. joining the show, Coach Metcalf. Uh, we'll hope to have you on again sometime. Uh, good luck this spring and go Knowles. Thanks, bud. Appreciate everything you guys do. Really good stuff there from Coach Metcalf and Look, Brett, um, Florida State, when they got Mike Metcalf, it was with the idea that you wanted an advanced approach to recruiting, someone who could really come from a scouting background and help Florida State in a lot of different ways. And I think he's done that, at least early on uh, in his tenure with um, with Meet, with Mike Martin Jr. What were your takeaways from your sit-down with him? Yeah, just a couple of things recruiting-wise. I mean, first off, they're just going to target athletes, and they're going to, you know, they, they want to go after dual-sport athletes, those guys that – have played in other sports and they know competition just from all different angles. And then the other thing is just Florida state, um, you know, they, they want to get out far. They, they like, I mean, obviously there's as much talent in any, as anywhere in Florida baseball wise, but you still got to go out and you got to find other guys. You can't just stick to right around you. And it's, it's been good to see them go out a lot and find the guys that want to be Seminoles. 
And I think that's something that's going to continue on for a while. For Florida State, when you look at the way that they want to approach their roster, you mentioned athleticism. This year's team, I think, could be as athletic as they've had in quite a while. How do you feel like athleticism and having this versatility at different positions, how does that impact a baseball team? Yeah, well, just you just hit on it a little bit. Just the versatility to move guys all over the place, play guys where they fit best. You don't have to have someone, you know, that you, you just can't move out of spots and then, you know, you lose depth like that. That's just it, the versatility, the athleticism, just it, it creates depth on your whole roster. And then, you know, you can just be aggressive on the bases. You can be aggressive um, just in everything you do, really. I mean, everything's just faster tempo. And I think that's what Meat wants to get to. He just wants things moving quicker on the field, moving quicker in practice. And the better conditioned guys you have, the better that's going to work out for you. So the recruiting class that, you know, we've alluded to a little bit, number six overall, I believe, at, the, at its highest uh, ranking. What, what do you take away from, from general thoughts on this recruiting class? It is one of the better recruiting classes Florida State has had in, you know, in the last few years. And, and who are some of the impact players that you feel like, A, could get drafted, or uh, if they don't and they decide to come to school, could really help Florida State in year one? Yeah, so this is a really uh, this is a class that I really like on the position player side, and you know this class that they just brought in in 2020 was a pitcher heavy class that is extremely talented with a lot of upside. Um, you know, like I just talked about, there's a lot of athletes in this class that do a lot of different things in the field at the plate, and then the pitchers the pitchers are just a lot of guys that are going to bring a ton of upside. Guys that um, you know they're extremely projectable, and that's. A lot of what we've seen FSU target since uh, Meat was promoted and the new staff was brought in. Um, I'll go with five players here for you that uh, could be real impact guys, obviously guys that scouts will think of in the draft. But, you know, I think some of these guys are still going to reach campus. Um, first off is Edwin, is Edwin Arroyo, who um, he's a Puerto Rico native, number one um, player for Puerto Rico, recently just moved to Florida. Um, I believe he's going to Central Point Academy now. Um, shortstop, five-tool player. Um, he throws with both both arms off the mound, but uh, he's he's a special talent. He's uh, been playing baseball since he was really little, and you know he's a kid that's he's uh, worked in Puerto Rico almost eight hours a day or something every day just on his baseball craft. Um, switch hitter, just all around extremely does everything on the baseball field that you want. Um, Jackson Bowmeister from. Jacksonville is a two-way player. He plays um, catcher and pitcher, but the upside's really on the mound. Um, six foot three, two ten. Um, nice, nice pitcher's body. Nice frame. Um, easy ninety-two, ninety-four. Recently, uh, he just he flows on the mound. Um, James Tibb is an outfielder from Georgia with a sweet left-handed swing, uh, a lot of power in the bat, and also has that combo of speed. And if he gets to Florida State, I think he'd put a lot of baseballs over that right field fence from his left-handed swing. And that's a, he's an early impact kid that I think could start day one with the, you know, Florida State's likely going to lose their whole outfield after this year. Uh, Mays White's another um, middle infield guy, um, extremely athletic kid, quarterback um, in high school, recently won a state title in football, as as Coach Metcalf mentioned in in our interview. Um, Dual threat quarterback, crazy athlete, extremely smooth in the field. One of those kids that it, you know, it just it just looks easy for him. And then lastly, I'll give you Dylan Jacobs, his right-handed pitcher. He's had some injury problems in high school where he's flown under the radar a little bit, but popped up this summer. I saw him a couple times 
extremely loose kid on the mound, athletic, flexible, ball jumps out of his hand, another kid that just makes it look easy. So, I mean, this is just a class that's, that's filled, with, filled with a bunch of dudes. Yeah, I mean, and that's what you want, right? Dudes. And I look at this year's team, and we were kind of monitoring throughout fall practice, and you and I talked about how how many dudes are on the mound for FSU. Just a bunch of guys that come in and throw 94-95. Brett, you can't win in college baseball without having some talent. And I think Metcalf has done such a good job. we got to give Coach you know, Bellinger a lot of credit and meet as well. FSU has three coaches, and, and Tyler Holt, who is awesome um, when he's visiting with these kids as, when they come on their visits, and, and he can be who he is. How good of a recruiting staff has Florida State put together? Yeah, I think it's, it's got to be one of, the best in the nation, one of the best in the nation just because, you know, like you said, they got a rare combo of what they have where you have T. Holt, who's – experienced major league guy he's the energizer bunny you have metcalf who's got experience in mlb longtime mlb scout knows what he's doing knows knows what he's looking at and he's he's just he's good with relationships with kids and then bellinger is just he's really good a fan good with being a family guy with the kids and making sure that they know that he cares about them and then he's just really good at the analytics stuff and advancing players and in their careers and i mean we've seen it quickly at florida state we've seen guys make jumps from guys that he that were here before Bellinger and they've made jumps since he got here. And then, you know, Meat has always been that recruiter, but Meat's not as involved as he is now just because he's got to do the head coaching stuff that Eleven was doing. But it's a staff that they work well together, they've gelled together quickly, I think, and that's extremely important. Of course, we want to do a, a, a Q&A here real quick. I know we, we put out some stuff on social media to try and get some questions, and um, we got a pretty good response and and feedback from a lot of people on um, some thoughts and concerns that they had about the season that they wanted us to answer. Um, but before we do that, I definitely want to give a shout out to Fit and Functional. Um, I've been working out there uh, now for two years. Awesome people. Sherman Rozier does a first class job. You can find him and his uh, training uh, site at Fit and Functional fitfunctional.com. They're doing a lot of different things. Uh, Core 7 is one of the things that I do. It's uh, three times a week. You can do it two or three times a week, and um, they really just target your core, and and it's a a fun small group class that um, I think really helps with uh, a lot of motivation and being able to do that. They also have gift cards for the holidays, so if you're looking for a new place to work out, if you're looking to, you know, go through some rehab, they do that as well. Um, It's a a really full-service uh, training center. Uh, they call themselves the Total Fitness Solution. And so fitfunctional.com. And if you call them, ask for Sherman Rozier. All right. So question and answer. Let's look at some of these that were emailed to us. And if you are looking to email us, you can find us at Sunday Gold, Pod at gmail.com. So sundaygoldspod at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at sundaygolds and, and DM us, um, uh, you know, in our uh, personal Twitter handles as well. All right. So Brett, first one for you. It says recruiting classes of 2020 and beyond have seen commits from outside the state of Florida. What's changed or was it just simply me taking over from 11 and trying a new philosophy? Well, you know, I talked about it a little bit a couple of minutes ago, just about how important it is that they get out that far. But a lot of it just has to do with the fact that in late in 11's career, most of the recruiting was just being done by meat. And it's hard for someone to get out and about and around and create relationships all over the country instead of just in Florida. And it's not bad to only have stuff at Florida in any way because of how much talent there is. 
but you know, just the ability to have them have a farther outreach and be able to connect with kids all over the place is really going to, I think, even grow their brand even more. And it's important, you know, they've got commits from Canada, from Puerto Rico, and it's just, it's coming from all over the place now. And it's a really good thing to see. And it's just because of a, a team effort on the staff, I think. All right. Next question that I really like, um, let me see. I'm going through them right now. I think you pretty much nailed that first question. Um, Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. We love to give shout-outs here to uh, co-hosts on our podcast, Brett. Uh, who's the player that will not start the year as an everyday player, but you think has a chance to end the year as a starter? Yeah, I think I, I, think I could see that being Logan Lacey. Um, you know, I do think he has a chance to start from day one, but I just think he's a kid that, He's going to give them defensive stability that they need um, at third base. I really like what he does at third base. He's also a good outfielder if you need it. Um, he's just he's a kid, you know. It's it's not nothing's real flashy about it, but he puts the ball in play. He's aggressive at the plate. I just think he does a lot of the things that they're looking for. And you know, maybe he does start day one, but that would be my best guess at that question. I mean, do you have an answer for that one? Yeah, Ryan? I mean, I think we've we've both been fans of Vince Smith uh, for for a while you were on him first um when you saw him practice and, and you went to fall ball um in the first week he really had a a great fall season a scrimmage season that that garnet and gold game he was outstanding um and I, I don't the reason I say that he may not start the year is because he is a you know he is a newcomer so I, I maybe they find someone else at second to start the year um whether that's Jackson Green or if Tyler Martin plays second but I just don't know if the bat looks as good as it did in the fall Vince Smith is going to play. And that's, to me, it's like you got to find a spot for him because that bat plays, man. That bat plays at this level, and, and Smith is someone that I think has a chance to be pretty special. I'll give you one more. and Just, you know, Cooper Swanson, if he puts it together, he's going to be a really good player. And it's just as simple as that, really. Yeah, Cooper's a great kid, and, and he's really fought to have opportunities at Florida State, and he, he's, he's loved his time at FSU, and so – if Cooper gets that chance, I think from a scout's perspective, like it all kind of jumps, right? The ball leaves his barrel, you know, with, with great exit velocity. He has the makeup of a kid that you're like, he's going to get drafted. It's just, can he consistently show in practice and in games that he can tap into that potential? I like that pick, Brett. Cooper's a, a good pick. Do you expect any financial cuts to hit the baseball program? Well, that is a really good question. And the answer I think is probably yes. I mean, I think, I think it's going to be every program, but you know, just the way that Florida State's going through it with football right now and the recent cancellations, it's hard not to see cuts coming. And there's probably already been cuts. Um, you know, they'll likely have to bus to almost every game this year, too, instead of if, instead of flying charters and stuff. So, I mean, it's not going to be fun for anybody on the cuts side. But I think just once the games start getting played, there's going to be a lot more happy people around the program with smiles on their faces. Yeah, I think uh, it's just going to have to be being smart with, with FSU and, and how are they going to be able to just kind of pay for everything. And so you really need the games because that TV contract that they get with the ACC networks, you, you need the money, you need the exposure. And, uh, man, I really it's, hope – It's really fun watching FSU football too. Just need it back for some smiles on our faces. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Brett. Thanks for <laughs> making this mood morbid nearly immediately. Let's, let's think about happier things again like baseball. And, uh, you know – you just kind of need baseball to have its games because it really does, you know, in the spring, I could argue that FSU baseball is the number two sport at Florida state. Basketball has made a real surge over the last couple of years. But if you just look at like 
social media interactions, if you look at just the amount of fans that are tuned in to the games, FSU baseball, you you could argue, is the second most popular sport in Tallahassee. And you just have to have the games. And I really hope they don't lose these these matches and, and that they have to cancel weekends because um, not only does that affect my paycheck, <laughs> and that calling the games on ACC Network Extra and doing play-by-play and sideline, that would, that would really hurt um, my career as well. So, yeah, we're all rooting for baseball to be played in 2021. We need our lives back. And uh, hopefully, hopefully things kind of trend positively. It looks like we're starting to get more positive news um, from the medical field. All right, so how about early ACC baseball rankings? Where do we think FSU falls? Yeah, so I think there's a there's a couple schools that are in kind of in the same situation as FSU that they lost kind of their top starters, but they get a lot a lot of other depth back and a lot of other experienced guys back. Um, you know, I think Florida State's right there with uh, Miami and Louisville as well. You know, Louisville's always going to have their guys, and McDonald does really good stuff there. And then Miami's just a really talented team with a couple guys that could see their names called in the first round this upcoming year. Um, North Carolina is an interesting team. I believe they had a few Juco guys come in that they really expect to be being big impact players. Um, a dark horse, I think, is Notre Dame with Link Jarrett. You know, I think they, they showed out early in the year last year, and a lot of people wanted to see what they would do in that ACC slate. And, you know, I just think he's going to do a really good job there. Um, I'm trying to think who else Duke obviously is going to, you know, they're just a well-coached team. They're a good fundamental team, but you know, they do lose uh, Jarvis at the start of their, their rotation. So I think just if they can find an, another guy there, they'll be pretty good again. But as I've always said, I just think, you know, if, if Florida state gets average defense, it's hard for me to see them not being a team to beat there with, with Louisville and Miami and, you know, another thing is a lot of it just depends on the schedule they end up getting as well for, you know, an end-of-a-season ranking. Yeah, I think that's, to me, Louisville, Florida State, Miami are the cream of the crop this year in the ACC. Um, Louisville and FSU, obviously, same division. Um, I don't know how good Clemson will be. Monty Lee has kind of disappointed a little bit in his time there um, when they went away from Jack Leggett. Um, Wake Forest has a chance, yeah. I think, to be pretty yeah. good. Wake Forest will hit. Wake Forest and NC State will always hit. Yeah, but I mean, NC State's going to melt down in the middle of the year like they always do. They start 20-2 and two and end, you know, losing in their own regional. Eh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, their coach just got extended, so he must be doing good things there. Yeah, well, we love that. We just keep them there forever. Uh, Carolina, we'll see how they do. Um, I know they've lost a lot of talent. They're going to a new coach t- as well, I believe, with Coach Forbes. Mm-hmm. Um, Virginia, that's a, that's a program that was a powerhouse yeah. They're from 2008 to 2016, and it just for Coach O'Connor, it fell off. Yeah, and they just they've just struggled to find hitters really, but they've got a lot of exciting arms coming in this year, and guys that coming back from last year that they could be one of the better staffs in in the conference, I think. And I think the gist of this question was where does FSU fall? So I think you and I are both in agreement that if FSU does what it needs to do, that is a, a top three or four team top, in the ACC, top fourth of the ACC for sure. I think. Yeah. All right, what's your confidence that a full season will be played this year for FSU? Define full. I Yeah, right? that's what I was going to say. I mean, just get the conference games in really is all I'm worried about. Um, you know, just because if you get your conference games in, you play well, you're going to be in the tournament. And really, I think a full season is just FSU being able to get to compete for Omaha. I mean, that's, that's – so, I mean – it's hard to say 
where my confidence is on that from after what happened last year and everything that's happened with football at Florida State and, you know, some basketball cancellations early on this season. I'm never going to say 100% because I don't want to get, like, freezing cold takes or whatever on here. But, I mean, I just think it, it's got to get done, and I think a lot of people want the College World Series back. A lot of people need Omaha back in their life. So I think they're going to do everything they can to get that done and just get a chance to go back to Omaha. My answer will be I'm 100% confident that a season will finish. Bold. Yeah. I do believe a season will finish well, yeah. because I think Omaha will happen. Um, how confident I am that it will be a full 56 or 60 games or whatever we're used to, not very. I think we're going to piece it. We're going to piece it together until we get to postseason time. And uh, the chances are we're going to have a bubble for the postseason and there won't be a lot of fans allowed, if any. And um, that sucks, but that's kind of where we're at. Just and, let me in. That's all, all you need. <laughs> and, yeah, that's just kind of where we're at. So back, real quick, I mean, before we wrap up, I was looking through the questions again, and just we're talking about Florida State and the ACC. You know what's been really funny is that Florida State hasn't really won the ACC regular season in a long time, Mm-mm. but they've won like three or four ACC tournaments and gone to multiple Omahas, which for me is like the ACC tournament is who they crown as the champion anyway. Yeah. Well, last year, last, and that was the disappointing thing about last year was Florida State's schedule was setting up really nice because they had all their hardest, com- their all their hardest games at home in the ACC really. Or I think we had Louisville coming in, we had Miami coming in. Um, that home schedule was That home loaded. schedule was loaded. Yeah. And it was, I mean, that was going to be really fun. 6,000 fans a weekend. Yeah. yeah. Chills. Chills thinking I mean, about it. Yeah, that was just going to be a fun year all around in the ACC. That that grind down this down, you know, April and, and, and into June, that would have been a really fun time with Dick Hauser. All right, and you sent me a note here in an email. Uh, it says in 2022, rosters will be capped at 40. Uh, unlimited in 21 right now you get 35 in a normal season um, and then you said counters stay at 32 up from 27 and then 25 percent minimum scholarship rule gone yet again all right so i just i just threw a lot of information out that needs a lot of context yeah right fill us fill the gaps so a couple of people asked me on twitter to clarify this so this year there's no cap on rosters and that's why florida state currently has 47 i believe um it's going to be Next year, it's going to move to capped at 40, and then I believe the next year, it's going to go down a couple, and then the year after that, it's going to go down to 35. So that gives coaches and programs time to cut it year by year a little bit and get back to normal. Um, Counters, what counters are, so when it says counters stay at 32 for next season, um, in a normal season, you can only have, have a max of 27 guys that are on scholarship. Um, but right now, the seniors that came back from last year, so Clayton Kwiatkowski, Chase Haney, and Nico Baldor do not count against that. So Florida State is probably some, probably right at that number of 32 or right around there with scholarship guys. And then 25% minimum scholarship rule gone yet again. So usually if a player is on scholarship, being counted on scholarship, the least they can have of their percentage scholarship is 25%. Um, because, you know, you have – up to 27 scholarships to use um, to give to kids, but you can only use um, 11.7, I want to say, total scholarships. So, you know, you give kids 50% or 30% or something like that to make up the 11.7. But now that you can give it to 32 kids, um, you can give them 10% or 15% of their scholarship rather than the minimum of 25%. 
and it's it's all really just to get to give college baseball a couple couple more years of, of relief and to get them back to normal at some point. But it doesn't have to be next year, which is very helpful for Florida State situation. Even though I think it's going to be a really big draft for Florida State next year. All right, Brett, I appreciate that. That's uh, it's really good insight. Uh, as always, you killed it again on this podcast. You can find Brett's work at Tomahawk Nation. Um, make sure you follow him on Twitter as well. Where they, where can they find you? At Brett PN. At Brett PN. Um, and I think that's a good place for us to cap off our final pod of 2020. I know we said we were going to, uh, after our last episode, said we were going to come back in 2021, but we felt like this was a good time to kind of just get back at it and uh, just have a special episode where we answered some questions so that there was some more clarity before we got into 2021. Well, we hope you guys all have a happy holidays. We hope 2021 is good to you and your family. And um, may 2021 be a lot better than 2020 was for a a lot of different people. And maybe we'll have FSU baseball back uh, the way we all knew it. And if not, we'll have it in some capacity. And that's something to smile about. All right. Well, please, if you could, if you got the time, please rate us five stars on Apple Pods. We're on Spotify as well. Subscribe to the Sunday Golds podcast, a Florida State baseball podcast. If you could leave us a review too, what you liked, what you didn't like, we would appreciate that as well. Email us, sundaygoldspod at gmail.com. You can find myself, Aria Masudi, and Brett Nevitt on Twitter. And uh, we really hope that, again, you guys have a great rest of your 2020. Spend some time with your loved ones. And 2021, hopefully the sun will come out and everything will be better uh, as we look towards Dick Hauser Stadium. Until next time, Aria Masudi, Brett Nevitt, Sunday Golds. We'll talk to you soon. Swiss, 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 Sw